The Start On Demand. On demand. Mothers, it would seem, are taking on a shocking number of hours for caring for children during the pandemic, something called the motherhood penalty. Also, when it comes to working from home, kids are interrupting Zoom meetings a lot, according to a new survey, and a lot of bosses have had enough. We'll also speak of the woman who is moving back to Winnipeg from Toronto to take care of her parents. And with the fresh snow on the ground, what is your favorite comfort food to hunker down with. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, October 21st podcast for The Start. Did you know that Weird Al Yankovic has a song called The White Stuff? How do you know that? Because First of all, and I, the I right had stuff. no idea. Yeah, it's a it's a take on the new kids on the block, oh, the right is. stuff. Okay. But it's his song about the Oreo cookie. <laughs> <laughs> the white stuff. He is obsessed with food. And I guess is there any way around it? Weather's gonna dominate our conversation, at least partially, this morning. You hate talking about the weather, well, don't you? He's like, he's like, no, there's no way around it. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> Eve sent us, uh, Loren, are you in the uh, Zip Whip program? Oh, yeah. Did you see Eve's uh, road report? I did see his road report, and I, and I, uh, <laughs> he said, "How about this? Someone dropped a Slurpee in the passing lane." Yeah, no, it was the t- it was the text oh. before that. Oh, the one before that. <laughs> the roads are. Oh. <laughs> the roads are no good. Let's They're just no leave good. it that way. They're no good. Yeah, you know, I have to say, like, this is just not fair to say to you guys, but it wasn't until this week that it occurred to me that working from home will mean potentially, at least for the next few weeks, if not months, avoiding days like this, which is is for sure a blessing. I don't envy anyone, including you two, even just brushing the snow off your car, right? Or cleaning the windshields and scraping them off and then trying to make sure you're taking the best possible route that's been cleared or not cleared or has snow or ice on it. So yeah, a rough drive this morning, I expect. Well, and this is, it's, it's times like this where I, I am happy with a decision to have kept my underground parking spot because when I first moved into my apartment I had an outdoor spot they didn't have anything underground and then one came available at just as winter arrived so I thought yep I'll take that you're a smart man <laughs> and uh, but then I wondered do I really want to keep this because it's like an extra almost 100 bucks for the underground but uh, to not have to worry about brushing off the car plus you know with the, I'm not I don't drive I drive to work like a couple of times a month just a handful of times a month uh so it would be nice. It's nice to not have to worry about that. Creature comforts. The main routes in the city, at least, are not too bad. At least they weren't at 4 o'clock this morning. I slept in a little bit and 
got away from the house a little bit later than I like to, but uh, uh, my normal route, Lage, Chief Pegwis Trail, Henderson, Main Street, all pretty good. Of course, they are slushy and wet, but for the most part, uh, those main roads are not too bad at all. The Disraeli Freeway, I was wondering if it would be sanded at, or cleared at all. Doesn't look to, as though it has been sanded. I ha- didn't see a, a single city of Winnipeg uh, or otherwise uh, sanding truck or or plow or anything. So I don't know if we'll see those today, but uh, obviously caution as you head out. And uh, Eve says that the highways are not great, to paraphrase. And Highway 7 guy says that Highway 7 is snow-covered and icy, but of course visibility is good. Okay, so we'll get some snowfall totals from Global's Abigail Turner in our next segment. I'll just also quickly say that when I when I got up this morning, I thought, I'll just look out the window and see what happened. And I looked, <laughs> and sure enough, I thought, okay, I got to go out into the balcony. And uh, I took a picture, and I thought, well, I'm not happy about this, but it's kind of pretty. Like, the cars looked like little whipped cream-covered pastries. It from is well, pretty. That's yeah. nice. I thought the opposite, because you know we were talking yesterday about how Greg was smart enough to clear out his patio furniture and gazebo top and all the rest in preparation for the snow i did not do that and as it was falling yesterday as i get back home i'm like it's not gonna stick it's not gonna stick around and i was like it's gonna blow away in an hour or two and then like five hours later i was like it's just gonna be for a night and then i look up this morning and i was like that deck carpet is not gonna move itself it's just not <laughs> it's be a winter carpet it might be there till spring McNabb. i was like oh oh Oh, this is it's really lingering. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lingering snowfall. And on the subject of pastries, uh, maybe one of the reasons why I thought that is uh, we're going to talk about snow-related comfort food. Like when the weather sh- shifts mm-hmm. gears, is there a comfort food you turn to in which you hunker down? Uh, so I guess I already had food on the brain this morning first thing, right? <laughs> so text us that, 204-780-6868, the food that you like to hunker down with when the weather turns it well i think it's nasty but i'm sure some people are just thrilled about this right like a lot of a lot of winter enthusiasts in this community. no question about it uh there may be people uh who are thinking have uh, nothing but uh, snowmobiles on their mind now start thinking about their cross-country skiing they're going to be uh some people like you say are hoping this snowfall does stick and lots more comes there's no doubt about it uh, there are people out there that are different than us Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Loren McNabb at 707. What is the question we are going to be posing? I think it kind of goes with the question that has everyone groaning today. First is the weather makes you grow maybe in the roads. And then next would be, do you want to go to the polls? Are we headed towards an election? Something's going down in Ottawa today that could put us on that path and plunge us deep into election territory. So we'll check in with Mercedes Stevenson after 7. And we've asked the question on our 680 CJOB Instagram. Fresh poll question on the Instagram. Are we heading toward a federal election before Christmas? And your options are, I hope so. Time for change or please no. Where do you fit, Brett McGarry? I count myself firmly in the please no category. Emphatically so. 
The idea of going towards another election. Oh, my God. Um, also today, we have tickets and treats passes to give away for Landmark Cinemas. We'll do that at 745. And we have a Santa Lucia pizza to give away, of course, just after 915. Based on the conversation we're going to have in our next segment about your favorite comfort food to hunker down with when the weather changes. But we start this half hour with something we alluded to last half hour. And that's new research which suggests the COVID-19 pandemic has exacerbated the so-called motherhood Penalty. Many Canadian mothers are clocking the equivalent of two full-time jobs caring for their children. Laurel Gregory explains. Improvised baby carrier. For the Romanovsky family, improvisation has been a big theme in 2020. When the pandemic started, working parents Kenya and Pavo had no choice but to change course. Our day home was shut down and my husband is a teacher, so he had to teach from home. And we completely had to reevaluate our routine and simplify things to the maximum. They timed out each day in work and parenting blocks, maximizing the time their children slept, dividing and conquering with the long game in mind. We sat down right at the beginning to evaluate how we would protect my career as well as my husband's. A new study suggests many Canadian families have been unable to strike that balance and the bulk of caregiving is falling square on mother's shoulders. The differential between men and women's uh, obligations at home related to child care is astounding. McMaster University researchers surveyed thousands of working and stay-at-home parents in April and June. This was the child care breakdown pre-pandemic. Men reported an average of 33 hours per week, women 68 hours. When stay-home measures came in, fathers reported an average of 46 hours a week, while mothers clocked 95. Despite having uh, oftentimes two people with full-time, full-time careers or full-time jobs, women are still taking on uh, the lion's share of the burden when it comes to childcare responsibilities. And this was only amplified when other supports were taken away. While the pandemic may be aggravating traditional gender disparities, Romanovska says it may also present an opportunity to reset. Get really clear on your family values and get clear on your long-term vision. What are you trying to build? Every challenging situation is an opportunity to teach our children about life and to help them build resilience. Laurel Gregory, Global News. So just first to recap those numbers, they they talked to 4,000 stay-at-home and working parents uh, between April and June. And before the pandemic, men reported an average of 33 hours of caregiving. At the peak of the pandemic, in the first wave at least, it was 46 hours. Women went from 68 hours of caregiving per week to 95 hours afterwards. And as you heard the researcher in that report, it was it, it that's a shocking amount of hours to be putting in on top of the job that you might already have, or perhaps you're all already at home and you're doubling your hours that you're you're working at home and, and with your kids. And so I do, I I would like to know what kind of jobs people were in because we mentioned off the top of the show that I think that makes a big difference. Yes, is that the case in my home? For sure, at the start of this, because the kids were home and my job allows me to be at home and my husband's did not. And therefore, here I am. Right. So it made sense that I was adding all those hours into their schooling, into their teaching, into all other things. I think I think we've balanced that out now a bit with the kids back at school. But for those whose kids aren't in school yet, mm-hmm. I do wonder how that's going, because that there's a whole other equation there. You might not have daycare. You might ha- not have the caregivers and you might still be working from home and have your two and four year old say with you. So 
yeah, I, I can imagine this is the case in many households. Yeah, massive shift for a lot of folks. Uh, not much of a change for others and uh, maybe just some compromise required and sitting down and taking a look at how do you balance this out. And I can only imagine being overwhelmed, not only with your work circumstance and then to add on trying to teach your kids grade five, grade six math. Who knows what the challenge might be? And then the whole idea of, of just always being with your kids. Like, Loren, do you, other than when they're sleeping, do you really get a break? I guess they're at school, but uh, for the most part, you're with them all the time. At least you, you were up until uh, yep. the beginning of September, right? Yeah, no, it's a full day. And it can be a really great day. Like, it's it's such a... Oh, it's 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 long. It's those hours where you're thinking, what can I do next? I think most moms and dads will say at some point uh, this summer they hit that uh, just do whatever you want wall far quicker than they might have. Right. Like, can I have chips at 7 a.m.? I do not care. Can I play video (laughs) games for 19 hours? Do it like just, you know, you ran out of ideas. And and then on the other hand, you find yourself so grateful for this time that now that they are back in school, I am at school early every single day to pick them up. I don't pull them out early. I'm just there waiting because I'm so excited to see them because it's so weird after the seven months sure. to, to have all these hours without them. So there's all these mixed blessings with it. But for sure, Brett, you mentioned your friends, right? Both of them working from home with kids at home. That's, that's, that's a lot of family time. Yeah. And sometimes that's too much family time if people are being honest, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, uh, when I think about, when I listen to the stuff that you, you two have to deal with just on a regular day and not that you're any different than any other working parent, but it, it, it makes like steam want to come out of my ears. I can't even picture it. Like my day yesterday, I got home from work. I thought, ah, I'm going to lie down for 20 minutes. Woke up two and a half hours later and thought, well, that was longer than expected, but I got nothing to do, so I'm going to watch The Crown on Netflix now. You didn't wake up to uh, crayons on walls or chalk on uh, couches or anything like that that you might otherwise have to deal with if you fall asleep, if you've got three or four-year-olds at home, right, that could run around and and create all sorts of havoc and just absolutely destroy a house if you fall asleep for more than five minutes because it does happen. For those of you still in those age groups, oh, man. And do I ever salute you this morning? Oh, wow. What age do you grow out of that? I just yesterday said, what is that on the carpet? And then I was like, because eh, I was just so tired. You don't know. One of the kids must have had something down here. And I was like, I feel like it's toast. Maybe a pita. Is that chips? <laughs> Looks like there might have been cheese. I don't know. It's really in there. And it might stay there. It just might stay there for some time. Let us know what your experience is. 204-780-6868. It is 644 in a moment. We are going to talk about comfort food, but we do need to mention a traffic note from Big Al, who says, driving isn't completely terrible. Come on, people, we've done this before. But daytime running lights do not activate your taillights. For the love of God, people, figure it out, especially on the highway. So turn those lights on if you don't have them turned on. Uh, But do be careful. Abigail Turner pointing to our colleague Gabby Marchand. Her car went into the ditch on the way in from Oak Bank this morning. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Greg, what do we have coming up at 737? We will chat with a woman who says the pandemic has really changed the way she's been thinking about things. And we were talking about the increased responsibilities for moms. Well, this uh, woman says as we speak, 
She's making her way back to Winnipeg to permanently be closer to her parents and help them in the coming years. She calls it her call of duty, despite being away for the last 20 plus years. So since it has now snowed, this will likely trigger hibernation for some of us, for many of us, perhaps. And when there is hibernation, typically there is food. So let's talk about your favorite comfort food in which you use to hunker down with when the weather shifts gears. I was talking to uh, Gabby Marchand and Abigail Turner from Global News Morning, and I asked Gabby, because she's always talking about, you know, her blood is essentially made of Dorito cheese dust. (laughs) Uh, So I figured she'd have something, and immediately... She says, mac and cheese, uh, stew. I like stew with biscuits and something, something, oregano. She went off on a stew tangent. And then she said, uh, uh, broccoli and cheddar soup. Oh, more cheese? She's going to Wolseley today to pick up three liters from a woman who makes soup. Uh, And then she says, what about chili? And Abigail says to me, you like pizza, don't you, Brett? And I say, well, yeah. And Gabby says, well, what? you can have the chili. It's like pizza in a bowl. Okay. Uh, not, Not really, but there you go. So... There are a couple of ideas to get that brain moving. Kelly Moore, where do you turn first? Well, stew isn't usually my first choice, but I'll tell you, my wife grabbed the recipe from her idol, the Pioneer Woman, and I was immediately into this when I found out there was a can of beer that went into this stew (laughs) recipe. Oh, man, was it good. But normally my go-to would be chicken wings and either pizza or nachos. Ooh, all classics. Now, with the nachos, do you prefer melted, like, shredded cheese or do you use cheese sauce? Shredded cheese. No, no, I don't don't quite go the Gabby Marchand route with the... The, the poison in the veins, but yeah, lots of sh- shredded cheese, uh, you know, the, the taco burger mixture or, or chicken on them as well. Uh, you know, a few sliced green onions, sour cream. Hey, excuse me. I, I've got to go get some comfort food here. <laughs> you do sound good, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Good what kind of chicken those. wings do you like? Do you have a flavor? I like, the, you know, either the salt and pepper or the jumbo crispy, but my wife likes the teriyaki and the honey and garlic. So, you know, we, uh, we kind of do a mixture. Look at that. Usually when I order wings, if I go out for wings, I'll start with teriyaki and then I'll switch to the salt and pepper for the second round. So, Oh, you can come over to our place anytime, <laughs> then. There'll be lots for you. <laughs> uh, Forte, what about you, buddy? Oh, you know what? I had pierogies last night, and that's pretty comfortable, especially on a cold day. But lately, I've been, I've been craving and having garlic bread, cheesy garlic bread. From where? I just buy it from the store. Um there's also one that Costco has, and it's it's absolutely great. But I also like to dip it into marinara sauce, or oh. some, sometimes you can add some bacon on it. Wow. Oh. Look at you. Do you actually cook up your own bacon? No. <laughs> Straight up, no. <laughs> what, what, do what do you mean? It's, you it's, it's, what do you do? It's the pre-cooked stuff that you just throw into the microwave. Oh, okay. okay. All right. I thought maybe you are just like putting on those synthesized bacon bits or whatever. Oh, no. Yeah. That sounds good, though, man. Yeah. Garlic bread. That's a great idea. And easy for lazy people like me and you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't have kids, and we have nothing to worry about. That's right. Jeff Braun, what about you? Oh, I spent the first few months of the pandemic uh, putting on pounds, so now it's time to take it off. So, honestly, my go-to on a cold day is just uh, the Country Peach Passion herbal tea that I love so much that I don't get to drink enough of in the summer because it's simply too hot. So, I'll Can drink I just boo two this or three right? cups of that every day. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Go ahead, thing. It's Loren. delicious. Yeah, I know, but yeah, come but on, come man. Weak. You didn't come to the table with tea, did you? Weak, weak. Come on, Debbie Downer. Come on, Braun. You usually do better than that. <laughs> well... 
This is the only thing I associate with. It's the only food that I associate with the with the temperature of the weather. Otherwise, everything else is a year-round, you know, pleasure. But uh, no, not not for the next few months. Well, in that tea, you're as ancient as me. (laughs) There is a history with that tea, right? Like Jeff, you've had a hard time finding that tea at times. Have you not? Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's. I find this just in general. As soon as I glom onto something that I really like, the store where I buy it immediately stops carrying it, <laughs> and it just becomes. I end up having to go to five or six different places looking for it. The same thing happened with a different kind of tea I liked at Starbucks once. So I end up having to order it online most of the time because they just don't have all day to like scour the city looking for it so do you take this as a personal slight as though they've made this decision yeah i figured you might go down that road i've had probably half a dozen moments and for real throughout my life where or the last 20 years since the movie came out where i'm thinking am i in the truman show am i the star (laughs) of a real life truman show (laughs) i swear to god this this can't possibly be happening (laughs) loren McNabb, what about you Oh, I don't know where to go because this just, I went down. That was so disappointing that now I'm just sad for Jeff. Um, <laughs> I think so. Last night we did pasta because that worked for me. I, le- I love pasta on a cold day. I would do a shepherd's pie with that's, of course, with the meat and the corn and the potatoes. But I always, I always get back to like maybe just a roast or a roast turkey. Roast beef or roast turkey. Anything with gravy seems more appropriate in the winter. I, like Jeff, also have put on pounds in this pandemic, but I'm not going down the tea route. I'm going down the gravy route. (laughs) Gravy in a boat. (laughs) I'm in a boat. (laughs) Greg, what about you? Uh, I really like the idea of like roast chicken or turkey with mashed potatoes and the gravy and the whole thing. But uh, the winner always for me is tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's a classic. Oh, yeah. It's like my mom's in the kitchen again, whether I'm making it or Jackie's making it. Yeah, it's like mom's there. Are we heading, I can't even, I don't even want to ask the question. Are we heading towards an election? That is the question many Canadians are asking this morning as politicians prepare to vote in Ottawa over a confidence motion that could plunge us into another election. And uh, this vote actually comes on the one-year anniversary of the last federal election. Of course, that's a vote that returned Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his Liberals to government, but with only a minority. So therefore, here we are this morning on this motion before the House of Commons. Global's national, Global Nationals Mercedes Stevenson joins us now from Ottawa. Uh, I'm just going to ask this simple and obvious question, Mercedes. How did we get here? through a a very unusual path because typically a confidence vote in the House of Commons is something like a budget uh, or major spending or something where the government decides to declare confidence and it's almost always when the government does it a a government-introduced motion to take an opposition day motion, which is something that is introduced by the opposition party, in this case the Conservatives, about an anti-corruption committee, and to make the issue of a creation of a committee 
whether a government stands or falls. Uh, I have never seen that in my time in Ottawa. I can't find anybody else who can find a historic example of this happening. Um, it is extraordinarily unusual, and it's really the Prime Minister challenging the opposition, saying, uh, I'm not giving up these documents in the way that you want. I'm not going to give you your committee uh, under the name Anti-Corruption Committee or under the composition you want. Uh, and if you think that we're hiding something so badly, fine. I'm going to call you on it. Let's just have an election. Uh, I can tell you the opposition were stunned by this. They, they did not for a second expect that their motion, uh, well, they knew the Liberals didn't want it, would be somehow transformed into the possibility of a general election. Yesterday, the Bloc Québécois has said they do not have confidence in the government. They will vote with the Conservatives. I can tell you, I just before I got on with you guys, I was talking to a very senior NDP source. They are wrestling with what they want to do. Um, they are saying they believe Justin Trudeau wants an election, that this is not about the committee, uh, that they think they can win an election and they're willing to go to the polls. Uh, so the NDP now has to figure out what do they do? Do they, they vote with the government? Because as Jagmeet Singh was saying yesterday, they don't think it's responsible to have an election during a pandemic. And also, by the way, the NDP likely wouldn't do very well. Uh, do they then get accused of backing them yet again and kind of being a pawn of Trudeau? Do they vote against it, trigger a general election and potentially face voters? Uh, uh, or do they abstain, which is something we haven't seen in a long time? That is another possibility. The entire NDP could show up and simply abstain from this vote, which would then leave it ultimately in the hands of two independents who are both former liberals, including Jody Wilson-Raybould, uh, and the three Green MPs in the House. And we really don't know today what's going to happen. Lots of moving parts here, Mercedes, including what's at, at the core of this. And you touched on that with regards to we and this different committee. And But it, at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, as we head into uh, what we expect to see, whose decision is it as to whether or not it's a confidence vote or not by declaring uh, his intention or his feelings about it? Does it simply the prime minister get to decide that, okay, well, we're going to vote on this today. And it is a confidence vote, even though under normal circumstances, it wouldn't be if I've got that all correct. Yep, you've got that 100% correct. It is up to the government to make that decision. Uh, it comes from the Prime Minister, but it's usually expressed by the House Leader, who in this case is Pablo Rodriguez, who got up and, and gave a very clear uh, and kind of um, interesting speech about this, saying that if you have a book uh, about Frankenstein, but you call it Cinderella, it's still Frankenstein. So even though the Conservatives were willing to change the name of the committee and find sort of some midway ground on it, uh, the Liberals are rejecting that. And, and that tells you where they're going with this. They want this to be a confidence vote. Uh, th there have been past opposition day motions that are confidence votes, but the opposition writes that in saying we want this. At the end of the day, uh, this decision is 110% the Liberal governments, the Prime Ministers, his House leaders to say we are making this a confidence vote and the government could fall on it. We threw up a poll on our Instagram this morning. Are we heading toward a federal election before Christmas? And the options are, I hope so, time for change, or please no. And I realize it's just an Instagram poll. We're not Angus Reid, we're not Ipsos. But it's three to one in favor of please no. So would it be wise for them to go to an election right now? Yeah, I think there's a few reporters on Parliament Hill who also have the please no feeling. Um, just in terms of it's been such such a busy year. Uh, but this would be such a unique election. The thing is, we've now seen safe elections happening in three different provinces. So there is a little bit of a precedent, although provincial elections are very different than federal. Um, 
they've seen so far that the elections that have been called both in New Brunswick and BC don't seem to be punishing the incumbent who chose to call an early election. And that's the kind of thing they watch. I can tell you this government polls more than any government in recent history. They have to have something in their polls telling them um, that even if they go to an election and, and, and voters aren't happy about it, that they would still fare better either than they have right now, uh, that they believe there's a potential for a majority, uh, or that they believe at least that they could increase their seat count. Uh, there, there's something that they're looking at to be this confident. We just don't know exactly what it is. Uh, there's some who think that they're just playing chicken in the House of Commons. Uh, senior liberals I've talked to have told me they don't want an election, but they are 100% willing to go to one and that they believe they would do quite well uh, given their performance in the pandemic at this point. So it would be an election like we haven't seen before. I can tell you I was talking to a couple of people in different parties last night who were basically saying, so how do you think this would work? I mean, if we got a plane, would you guys get on it as journalists during a pandemic? Uh, do we have to like bubble and isolate everybody together? There's all kinds of questions here um, that we'll see whether or not we have to be figuring out by the end of the day today. Global's Mercedes Stevenson joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Just a couple of quick things here. If you go to cjob.com, the first thing you'll see is uh, the headline, Ridiculous Amounts of Beer dumped during forced bar closures mm. and this is coming from winnipeg brewers and then there's a gif or a gif if you prefer of uh of a pitcher of torque beer just being dumped down a sink heartbreaking um yes it is heartbreaking i just i was very sad to see that so i figured i'd point you to cjob.com where you can also cast your vote on the question of the day which is brought to you by mr furnace don't call them first you'll see why call mr furnace 204-832-6243 and it has to do with what we talked about last hour research says the pandemic has intensified the motherhood penalty Many Canadian moms are clocking two full-time jobs caring for their kids. Do you agree? And at CJOB.com, 58% say yes, 42% say no. So you can cast your vote at CJOB.com. And speaking of parenting, that's what we want to talk about here. COVID-19 has created all sorts of challenges for business, government, and families. It has also created some opportunities for us to evaluate our priorities. Cottage sales, swimming pool installations, home renovation projects have all seen dramatic spikes in popularity as we spend more time closer to home. As many of you work from home, there is the potential that you may choose to work from home or even the cottage versus the office for the long term. The future of distance education and healthcare being delivered via the internet and technology similar may also have been accelerated based on our experiences with COVID-19, Loren. So as we adjust, all of us adjusting to what our new normal might look like, whether it's at home or in the workplace or elsewhere, our next guest says COVID-19 is one of the reasons why she's moving back home to Winnipeg from Toronto, and it's really driven by the fact she wants to be closer to her parents. Gail Chirac is in the midst of a 14-day quarantine in Thunder Bay, Ontario, to make this move, and she joins us now. Good morning, Gail. Good morning. I, I want to say I commend you for your decision. I think it's a conversation so many people are having in their homes right now, the future of not just their kids, but maybe the future of their parents. It's, it's a big decision. It's a huge decision. I can't imagine this was made overnight. 
No, it wasn't. And if you had told me six months ago that we'd be moving back to Winnipeg, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, But there were many factors, not the least of which is my parents are aging. They're in assisted living. Of course, those homes are getting uh, a lot of media attention for what's going on and and the concern for people's health. And, of course, that's precluded me from being even able to see them since February. Um, And then my mom had another hospital stay this summer um, that really sort of um, agitated the urge inside of me to be with her. Um, and with both parents aging, I, my, my brother, bless his heart, has been doing all the work and, and carrying the heavy load until now. And I just felt it was time to come home and give him a hand. Well, we've been having the discussion, uh, Gail, about the transition from uh, where we were to where we are yeah. and how much uh, women are taking on uh, in the yeah. home as a proportion and this whole idea as well. You've sort of highlighted this, that if you've got geographical uh, uh, challenges family-wise, that the person that's closest maybe to mom and dad uh, will be taking on some extra. So, I, I mean, my heart is is warm just imagining that you've made this decision because you've been gone from Winnipeg for a long time and did did you have to (laughs) find a new job how long have you been gone i've been gone for over 30 years we moved when my daughter was two and she's 33 so over 30 years um uh, so my job made it uh first of all uh, we were living in downtown toronto um which was fabulous i love the energy of the city you can jump on a streetcar you can go anywhere it was 10 minutes for me to get to my office in a downtown skyscraper with a magnificent view I'm not interested in any of that anymore. <laughs> it's just, it, first of all, Toronto looks like a ghost town relative to what it did. Um, and of course, the density of being downtown. And, and sadly, you know, it's, 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 it's just it's disturbing to see what's going on everywhere. But in our neighborhood in Toronto, every patch of grass has now become a tent city. Um, you know, people are, they can't afford the rent. They're being evicted. Um, Canadian tires of Toronto are donating tents to people. I mean, it's just tragic to see what's going on. I feel incredibly fortunate to be in a position to make this decision and to continue to work for the same company who has made accommodation to allow me to be remote under the circumstances. So I'm one of the fortunate, truly one of the fortunate that's able to to uh, go through with this. Now, Gail, you, uh, you're, you're married, right? Yes, I am. Where's your yes. husband from? He's originally from Florida. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. He's a native Floridian. So this is the first, um, the most cold he will have felt uh, since moving to the country. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I remember the, the, the when I visited Florida, I think it was back in like 1989. We went in December. It was mid-December. And when we left Winnipeg, it was snowing. It was minus 30. The wind chill was 2,400 yeah. back, in, if you remember when they measured the wind chill that way. And uh, when we got to Cocoa Beach... It was 18 degrees, so for us, T-shirt and shorts, we were good to go, but people were walking around in sweaters and looking at us actually saying, good Lord, aren't you cold right now? And (laughs) we'd say, no, you don't know what cold is. Bless her heart, my mother-in-law in in Florida, when I go out and sit in the sunshine of 18 degrees with the sun shining on my face with my coffee, she comes out in her parka. (laughs) (laughs) It's all relative. It's all yeah, relative, exactly. Gail, and I and I and so now you make this decision. Both of you are are coming to Manitoba. He's moving into the cold, and just so you might want to let him know, we've got some really nice snow on the ground. Some call it beautiful, so that's a nice yeah. uh, point. But you know, yeah. you're you're, co- you're coming back to family, which is wonderful. I'm just curious at yeah. what when you 
think about the future for your parents. What shifted in the last few weeks or months that made you say, I don't know if I trust maybe the future that they might have just within this pandemic, because that is part of the equation, is it not? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think what what changed for me was, again, my mom's uh, hospital stay this summer sort of um, put an added emphasis on my father now needing more care as well. Because we had full-time care for my mom already, you know, by osmosis, he was being also cared for. When my mom went into hospital for six weeks this summer, my dad was alone. It really highlighted the issues that he's facing. And I just felt like there's too much with two of them. You know, for the last three or four years, we've been dealing with, with their health. But it's been one at a time. So one, you know, would have a hospital stay and, and some aftercare. Uh, and, and it was easier. Now it's both of them. There's no question that they both need the additional care. And it just, um, you know, I'm not concerned so much for, for them being compromised where they are. I feel very happy and safe, actually, for them. I feel like they're very safe where they are. Um, and I love the people that are caring for them. So we're all good on that front. It just felt like, you know, in today's world, the elderly need advocates. And, you know, one voice speaking for two people can sometimes get drowned. So I just felt like there's power in numbers. And if my brother and I put together a united front, uh, we'll be better able to cope with uh, with their needs over the coming few years. Gail, so. Sh- Gail Chirac, thank you for doing this. Uh, this is a heartwarming story. Uh, you're a good daughter. I don't know if you need to hear that from anybody else, but this is, a, this is a terrific move on your part. Very quick, we want to end with a little bit of a giggle. Uh, you know, you've had uh, lots of time to think about this. Where will you take your husband? What's the first Winnipeg <laughs> thing you're going to show him when you, when you bring him home? Canadian tired by snowblower. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? If he needs any help shoveling, you let us know because I think as we go forward with this, we all have to help one another. So, uh, and by by help, I mean I'll send Brett. Yes, okay. yeah. I need the exercise. <laughs> I'll hold you to it. It's on radio. It's, it's live. Everybody's listening. Okay. It sounds good. I look forward to it. Gail Chirac, thank you so much for joining us once again in the midst of a 14-day quarantine in Thunder Bay as she makes her way home to be closer to her parents. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Hey, Loren, I don't know if you saw yesterday on uh, 680 CJOB's Instagram, one of our uh, teammates, Sophia, in our promotions department, she posted um, a pumpkin, a jack-o'-lantern that she saw. It's a meme, but it uh, somebody spotted this. It says, my mother has truly produced the pumpkin of our era. And there are four squares carved out of the pumpkin, each with like a mini pumpkin head carved into them. And then underneath at the bottom, it's carved the word Zoom. Oh, oh that, that is a great segue. So well done. And more than anything, that's commitment. We did the pumpkins last night. The one kid did the normal, you know, eyes cut out. The other asked me to carve a llama into the pumpkins. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like an hour later, he's like, it's, you're, you're getting there, mom. I'm like, so this is just my pumpkin now, right? I'm the one that's putting this all together. But yes, Zoom. We're talking Zoom right now because there's a poll that was done this week. They surveyed 2,000 parents of school age kids. And they found that kids were interrupting work calls for moms and dads an average of 25 times per week. So if you're working Monday to Friday, that's at least five times per day. 
And then the kids um, were not just interrupting you for, you know, questions. They, there were six, I think, Wi-Fi resets per week, four in-class snack requests, uh, just requests for mom and dad to come in and help. And so we want to know this morning, if you're working from home, has this happened to you? And how is your boss receiving it, Greg? Because I think in the beginning we were all agreeable to the interruptions because we have we have to be. We have to be understanding that the kid's going to walk in and demand something. Uh, but now maybe... Maybe there's coworkers or employers who are a little sick of it. I guess we're past the oh, isn't that cute phase of yes. the pandemic. And, uh, you know, two sides to this coin. My first reaction when I read this was, yeah, you know what? Uh, you have a job to do. There's got to be a way to uh, make sure that you aren't interrupted. But at the same time, like, come on, really? Do we have to make a big deal out of this? Everybody is making sacrifices in this situation. The kids are making the biggest sacrifice in so many circumstances of all of us, and this is not easy for them. It's difficult times. They're not doing the things that they're used to doing. They're not getting the same amount of exercise. Their school sports and activities are are getting canceled. They're not getting the same amount of exercise that they're used to, and so they're the ones, uh, in a great for a great extent, are, are paying the, the largest price can we not just continue to to look past this and and see a the cuteness and and be the just the situation that we're in i I feels a little overzealous did i was reading the article and one woman say that she got let go because convinced that that's why right that that she got let go in the end because there was all these interruptions because it was brought up by her boss at one point come on oh wow come on well here's one thing i'm worried about then and lorena maybe i'll ask you the question first do you think that the fact that we're all just sick of this in general could be contributing to the irritation not specifically the behavior but just Mm -hmm. the whole like ah god i'm just so tired of all of this uh so just the general annoyance that many of us are feeling could be leading to these bosses getting angry Ah, i think there's no question that you know three months ago and we've talked about this in the past the idea that you hit a wall right i've hit my wall that was maybe we a May conversation that we had mid-May, late May, because it just felt like, oh, this is going on and on. And then you kind of felt a little bit better in the summer and the weather. And now it's like the wall, the wall just got higher and I can't figure out when I'm going to be able to climb over it. And so I think you're all, everyone's tampers maybe more at the surface than they would have been even just a few weeks ago because there's no end in sight. And so if you're irritated, you might become irritated more quickly. And in the beginning, we all had this patience for one another, you know, patience for the person working at home, patience for the person who was alone in the office trying to do double duty. And now everyone's kind of just like, like Groundhog Day, like go away. It's February 2nd every single day. Well, is it, um, could it be that our true colors are showing that we've, you know, we've been faking how polite we are for the last few months and now oh i see who you really are you detest this you're intolerant of children you are less than you are less than kind perhaps when you told me they were cute you didn't mean it did you (laughs) (laughs) well think about how many likes i had this discussion with somebody the other day uh we were discussing uh, uh social media approaches and i said look I'm going to tell you something. I've pressed like on your kids' uh, dance recital videos probably a dozen times in the last 18 months. I haven't watched a single one of those videos. (laughs) And most people who press like on those videos, yeah, they haven't watched it either. So just, just realize that what we perceive 
as the way people are viewing and perceiving us is greatly distorted to reality. Not in all cases, but enough people are looking at you differently than the way you think that they see you to make a difference. And so you might have to do something that you might otherwise not do in order to uh, appease certain people. We do that every single day, Brett. We we sometimes have to appease to the minority. Yeah, we do. And uh, I think a lot of this too could just be uh, come from irritation. Like, really? You haven't figured this out yet? For example... <laughs> uh-huh. I, there! Yes, there yes, it is. That's right. I was the other day, or I guess it was about two weeks ago, uh, we had a conference call and I was on my way to the golf course, LOL. And I got in my car... And I, I dialed in to the conference call just as I was getting ready to, to leave. And I guess I double tapped the mute button on my phone. So I'm driving out and, you know, I don't know how much racket I was making. Thank God I didn't start muttering to myself because somebody finally said, hey, there's a lot of noise in the background. What is that? I was on that call. And it was me. Yeah. It was me driving out of my parking garage to yeah. the golf course. And everyone's like, has, has, have we really not learned about the mute button now? Yet in seven months. And the other one is... That's technicality, though. No. If if our executive producer is listening, I think four out of five days a week, I'm like, sorry, can I get that passcode again for that conference call? I can't seem to... (laughs) (laughs) She's like, she's very kind. She says it every time, but she has to be thinking, what is your deal? Like, it's in an email. Find it. And also, you can't memorize six numbers in seven months? Like, what's uh, yeah, wrong with no, you? No, it's unnecessarily long. Those <laughs> passwords are far too long. Why isn't it a clickable link? I'm on your side on this one, McNabb. Technology, for as good as it is, still has far too many pitfalls in terms of, well, if I'm not, if I don't have a second device, oh, I need a pen and a paper and I got to write this down. Screw it. I'm not calling into the conference call because it, the password's too long. Well, and what's funny That's going to be my next excuse. What's funny about these conference calls is I just dial in on the phone, but they're all done via Skype. Yes. I haven't even tried no. to figure out how to do it on... I, pardon me. I think I tried once and? to figure it out on Skype, and I said... Screw this. I can just call in. That's it. And even yes. when they, they very strongly encouraged us, because there was one major major announcement or there was something. It, was not, it wasn't the Jets thing. I think it was something before they wanted us to, to come in on Skype because they had a PowerPoint presentation. And I just said, no. Nah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Email uh, me Braun the PowerPoint presentation. I, I, will, I will view it later. Braun just the other day said to me, you know, you can, because they can't hear me. My phone signal's never good. He's like, you know, you can do that in Skype. I was like, yeah, I know, Jeff. I just... I don't have that on my laptop yet because <laughs> I haven't bothered to even download it. <laughs> hey, we got to give away some Santa Lucia pizza at 204-780-6868. We have chosen our winner, but we have two runners up. So, Loren, do you see the runner up text from Michelle? I do see the runner up text from Michelle, and I. Uh kudos for these folks for their interesting things that they make. So Michelle texted to say that the ultimate comfort food is a chicken noodle stoop, which is thicker than soup, thinner than stew. I didn't even catch that. I thought that was a typo at first, but stoop. Mm. And so that comes with a slice of homemade bread straight out of the oven and slathered in butter. These come from wonderful memories from my childhood, she writes. When we came home from school on a cold day, mom would always have this stoop waiting for us. The wonderful aroma and warm, cozy food. Even our friends came to our house to enjoy it. And of course, mom never turned anyone away. I miss her so much. I think that's a lovely sentiment. And I hadn't heard the word stoop before. 
That's cool. I like that stoop. That's mm-hmm. creative. Mm-hmm. I liked this one as a runner-up just for the sheer effort that went into what they did. I made 12 liters of homemade tomato. Is it basil or basil? Yep. Basil? Basil. Yep. <laughs> yes to both. <laughs> T- tomato basil soup last night. A six-hour process, but well worth it. Yum. Um, but this uh, next one, we had a tough time picking a winner today. We did. Uh, so we're going with Paula. What did Paula say, Greg? Actually, two comfort foods that take me back to my childhood when life was easier. We were raised on a one income back in the day, and mom would make Elbow macaroni with tomato juice and margarine and cheese whiz. Yum. And we <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, that's that's what it says in the in the in the text message. I'm reading the word yum. And when we had chicken next day, mom would uh, cut up chicken and put it in mushroom, uh, mushroom soup, no milk. After it was warmed up, we poured it on toast. Yum again. Both to this day remain some of my favorite meals. When hubby's out of town, macaroni and tomato juice is my go-to. So look at that. A meal that was provided on a single income has become... Uh, sentimental favorite. So, Paula, thank you for sharing that text. And thanks to everybody for your text. This has been great. Santa Lucia Pizza, coming to you, Paula. One of the guys who used to call me, actually, on those uh, Saturday and Sunday mornings when I was first starting out, (laughs) typically after a sports cast, I'd walk out, I'd go in to do the sports at 725, I'd come out at 729, phone rings, and I go, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And it's uh, on the other end, yeah, Brad, when you're reading the golf story, uh, you do it this way. (laughs) And that man, well, you, you tell us who we've got here, Loren. Well, he's someone that for the second time in just a matter of weeks has been tweeting about horse racing. And the first time he did it, it actually sent me down a rabbit hole of watching a video that Bob Irving mentioned. And then again, last night at Bob Irving, CJOB, that's his Twitter handle, this tweet. Geez, I just watched Secretariat's Triple Crown races from 1973 on YouTube again as I wait for game one of the World Series. What is wrong with me, Greg? I don't know if anything's wrong with him. you got to give that a watch. Yeah, here's a sample. Secretariat has opened a 22-length lead. He is going to be the Triple Crown winner. Here comes Secretariat to the wire. An unbelievable, an amazing performance. He hits the finish 25 lengths in front. That is historic, majestic, extremely exciting stuff, Bob. There's nothing wrong with you. Come on. (laughs) Well, you know, we've all got a little extra time on our hands these days because of the pandemic, and I don't have any football to occupy me, so (laughs) I'm looking for things that, that excite me or interest me. And it's funny, back in 1973, I wasn't really a horse racing fan to any great degree. I was a huge sports fan in general. And then all this hype about Secretariat began. And so I watched the Kentucky Derby, and Secretariat had this amazing finish where he was last in the field of 13 or 14 and then circled them all and won by about three lengths. And I was hooked, right? Then I watched the Preakness, which is the second Triple Crown race, and the same thing, he's last, and he just circles the field and wins by, I don't know, five or six lengths. And then the Belmont, uh, there's, I think, only five horses in the Belmont because most of them had given up. And he wins by 30-some lengths. And I just found it so inspiring. And it's funny, I can't get enough of it. I just, and you can find anything you want on YouTube, right? And I'm on there. I, I was sitting there last night, and I'm thinking, I'm going to watch those races again. 
And they just, they give me chills the way he, and Chick Anderson, who's the track announcer for all three of them, when he says he's moving like a tremendous machine, I mean, those words just ring in my ear and they, they send shivers through me. So I don't know if I've got a problem or not. And of course, Ron Turcott was the writer and he's a Canadian, which was a neat part of that story. And uh, anyway, there you go. I'm, I'll probably watch him again uh, when I'm finished with this phone call. What have you been watching? Any other horse races, famous races, like for example, Sea Biscuit versus War Admiral? There's a good one. No, I, well, I know all about Sea Biscuit, but it's the Secretariat races that that really appeal to me, Brett. And it, I think it's because of the sort of the comeback of those first two, where he's last, where he's last in a field of fourteen, and then he just surges around the the, the other horses. Like it's it's hard to describe until you actually watch it. So. I think there's something special about that in particular. Uh, but I'm on there looking up old football games and old boxing matches and whatever else I can find. You know, I'm no different than a lot of people, I guess. When you got time on your hands, you're poking around and looking for things that uh, that are interesting to you and, you know, to fill your hours. I'm going to send you some panda videos next. You should get into those, Bob. <laughs> Does this well, mean you're... No. Go ahead. No, I say hold off on that, okay? <laughs> well, I just think it's indicative of you mentioned you're not alone, and I think, you know, the, it means we either aren't handling this lack of CFL and NHL very well, or we're just finding other ways to, to find that inspiration, because that's really what sport is all about. Well, sure it is, yeah. And, of course, you know, if you're a sports fan, there's no shortage of, you know, old games and athletic feats that you can find in on various, uh, you know, ways. And so that's what I'm doing with, with some of my time. And then every now and then I'll just, I'll tweet something that has really no relevance to what's going on in the world, but it's something that interests me. And I get a lot of uh, feedback on these tweets too. I tweeted last night watching the world series that Joe Buck is, he's brilliant as a broadcaster. You know, he's doing football, baseball, football, baseball. I think he worked four days in a row in four different cities uh, and he's as sharp and fresh and informative in game four as he is in game one. And uh, he's really impressive. I think he's the best guy in our business right now. So, you know, I got time on my hands and I tweet stuff that's pretty irrelevant. But, uh, you know, it gives me something to do, right? We have a we have a th- another co-host here as the window washer has uh, shown up. So you might hear some banging as he's uh, cleaning the <laughs> windows here in behind Brett McGarry. You know, you mentioned uh, Joe Buck, uh, Bob. I had the pleasure of just once hearing Jack Buck uh, mm-hmm. call three or four, maybe five innings of a game between the Cubs and the Cardinals in St. Louis on uh, Mark McGuire's magical run to breaking Roger Maris's record. And um, there came a point in time in the game where Jack would start telling war stories and uh, not really talking about baseball at all, but he was incredible in the booth. Uh, and of course, his son is just so good. Joe's fantastic. He's at the top of the heap. Is is he the best And uh, right now? And, and who would be the best outside of Manitoba, of course, uh, play-by-play announcer of all time? Is it, <laughs> is it Vin Scully? Well, you know, I've always said this about broadcasters uh, Greg, it's a matter of opinion, right? These are just opinions. There's no way to measure these things. Vin Scully was brilliant. Um, I can think of Al Michaels is is really, really good. Uh, Joe Buck, you know what I like about Joe Buck? He doesn't yell at you. He gets excited in a, in a way that 
is just perfect for me. And he's informative and he can be funny, but he doesn't try to be funny because it's hard to be funny if you're not, right? So he, he gets into some light areas, but he just does it all so well. Uh, he never stumbles or, you know, has to start over again. He's just a, he's just a real pro. Um, Dick Enberg was one of my all-time favorites, and you'd have to go back a few years to, to know who he is. But there's all kinds of them out there, and I think it's a matter of personal personal preference. But for me right now, uh, Joe Buck is as good as it gets. Well, and when it comes to the play-by-play, or especially if there's a team that you like, it it almost feels like you, you kind of get to know them almost like they're your friends. And I when I used to watch the NBA on NBC, I always hoped that whatever game I was watching would be Marv Albert, and as he referred yeah. to him, the czar of the Telestrator, Mike Fratello. Uh, they were yeah. my personal favorites uh, because Albert was... I think I think he was probably one of the best basketball announcers ever. But they sure. were just a good team together, and then that made you feel even more compelled to take in the broadcast. I don't know. Yeah, I'm a big Marv Albert fan too, and I've, I've I've said this many times. I don't think the general public understands how talented these people are. Really, you know, it sounds and looks easy what they do, but it's it's not. This is not something that everybody can do, and. Uh, these guys are just they're very gifted, talented people, and it's fun to watch them. And as a guy who is in the same trade, uh, I enjoy listening to guys with that much talent. I, I admire what they do. I really do. Well, I, I did watch the race that you, when you posted it the first time, Bob, and one thing that stood out for me was how quickly he was able to measure the length between horses. And I know that that's his feel, and that's what he, he's doing, but he's got this incredible race going on. He's using all these amazing words to describe what he's seeing, but still having to keep track to the finite points of what's happening in front of him, right? And so now by four lengths, six lengths, it's just I thought that was what makes that truly the greatest talent is making it exciting for the viewer and listener but also understanding exactly what's going on. Well, and the other thing, those guys who call races, you know, if there's 14 horses in a race, they can rattle off what position they're in just like that. Boom, boom, all 14 of them. And he did that in the Kentucky Derby. He went from first to 14th. And that's, boy, you got to do a lot of homework to have those numbers down and, and be able to do that on the move in a race that only lasts two minutes. Uh, and Chick Anderson, to me, was was the best. He just, uh, yeah, in terms of calling races, he just had it aced. Bob Irving, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Hopefully we'll see Bomber football in 2021. Bob, enjoy the horse racing. <laughs> the World Series, the sports show with Christian O'Malley every night, 7 to 9 on CJOB. Christian tweeted that uh, I should you know, give him a, a plug. So I did that on uh, on Twitter, uh, and I, I did it again here on CJOB. You're so obedient, Bob. <laughs> can, can, can we make a weekly appointment with you just to hang out for 10, 15 minutes like this? Sure. I'm not doing very much these days. All I'm right. always available. All right. My people will be in touch with your people. All right. Good. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.